This episode is brought to you by Odd Mo's Pizza in Canby. Handmade awesome pizza plus craft beer, wine, and cider delivered. Order today at 503-263-8444 or visit them online at oddmoes.com. This episode is also brought to you by Canby Foursquare Church. Since 1978, a place to grow, connect, and serve. Sunday services on campus and online at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. Learn more at canbyfoursquare.com. Welcome to Now Hear This Candy, your source for news. The threat of a possible teacher strike was avoided this week. There's a new irresistibly cute creature winning over fans, and its name is Scootaloo. Sports? It's like Lucy in the football. You want to kick a field goal, but they take it away from you. We had to learn how to win. Mm-hmm. Goal can't be in the last second of the game! And interesting conversations. Because I'm one of the strongest girls ever, and I know that for a fact. <laughs> I just really enjoy writing gossip as if I was a bear. <laughs> With an old maid daughter that make the best moonshine in the coast. <laughs> if it would have hit me in the face, I think I would have died. I really do. It, it, it... I guarantee you would have died, man. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Welcome to Now Hear This Canby Podcast. I'm Tyler Clawson, and this is what's happening this week in our community. The Oregon Liquor and Cannabis Commission no longer plans to site a new headquarters at its planned Canby warehouse. Instead, starting in September of 2025, the new agency headquarters will be office space in Salem, courtesy of the Department of Administrative Services. According to OLCC spokesperson Mark Pettinger, The exact location is yet to be determined. The OLCC, which regulates the cannabis and liquor industries, is headquartered on the border of Milwaukee and Portland at 9079 Southeast McLaughlin Boulevard. But the plan has been to move the HQ to Canby, where it's building a new warehouse that will expand its alcohol storing capacity. As was widely reported in March of 2022, the OLCC disclosed that the project costs had increased from an estimated $62.6 million in 2019 to $145.8 million in 2022. On Wednesday, Pettinger said the reason behind the new move was that the costs for the warehouse and office complex had continued to grow. Pettinger said the current cost estimate for the warehouse project stood at $145.5 million. He said the idea was that the office complex costs will be absorbed and used on the Canby warehouse. In a July 28th email to OLCC staff, agency interim executive director Craig Prinz wrote that this decision reduces costs by nearly $20 million. We are modernizing our systems to enable a hybrid work model, Prinz wrote. We're looking to lease space that is off-mall that will have free parking available. The Capitol Mall is the general area around the state house where other agencies such as the Oregon Department of Human Services have their offices. 
The decision to separate headquarters from the warehouse was not an easy one and took several factors into consideration, Prinz told staff. In an August 7th email to staff, Prinz expounded on the new status quo. The reality of work and where we do our work has changed. Oregon State Government is making a commitment to a permanent remote work model. Across the state, enterprise agencies are looking for current office space and analyzing what they will need in the future. An empty seat on the Canby City Council has been filled, courtesy of the Council's decision on Wednesday, August 16th. The Council met Wednesday to interview the candidates for the open seat, then made a decision on who they'd tab. Daniel Stearns, a tax accountant in Canby. What I think Daniel will bring to City Council is additional focus to community and to the businesses in Canby, said Mayor Brian Hodson. He's had a lot of involvement with his family and our community for a number of years. I know Daniel to be someone that will be thoughtful and prepared. We have, as a city, a lot of very focused and huge plans that are going to be developed for our city's future. It will take a lot of studying and being prepared for those conversations and decisions. Stearns will take over the vacated seat of Sean Varwig, who resigned from City Council in early July. Since that registration was announced, the city had opened an application process that had produced no candidates until late. But that changed on Friday, as six potential city council candidates turned in their paperwork. Those six prospective candidates were Craig Llewellyn, Stephanie Boyce, Megan Fraction, Thomas Pierce, Daniel Stearns, and Michelle Hensley. Canby's counselors met in a special work session at 6 p.m. on Wednesday con to conduct the interviews and discuss the candidates. A little later, during the regular city council meeting, Stearns was announced as the new city councilor. He will be sworn in at the first city council meeting of September. When is a flower more than just a flower? When it's a dahlia and the star of the show. That will be the case next week at the American Dahlia Society National Show taking place from August 24th through the 29th at the Holiday Inn Columbia Riverfront in Portland. The American Dahlia Society National Show is considered the Olympics of dahliadom at least within North America, said Larry Smith, publicity coordinator for the Portland Dahlia Society and public relations coordinator for the American Dahlia Society. We have visitors flying in from throughout North America to participate as well as a contingent from Australia and another from Great Britain, he added. 
Although Sam is not a Clackamas County resident, he is well known in the area for being named King of the Fair at Clackamas County Fair 16 times. Retiring from the competition in 2001, he continues to enter the Champion Gardener and Agricultural competitions. Smith said that he is most looking forward to, at the event, seeing the 18,000 square foot grand ballroom filled with blooms. I look forward to meeting and talking with Dahlia Files from all over the country and different parts of the world. And on a personal level, I'm excited to show my own blooms in this competition this year, he said. During the course of the national convention, Dahlia growers and their blooms will compete for best in show honors. In 2012, the national event also held in Portland featured over 5,000 blooms in the competitions. Canby residents Mark Odenkamp and his wife Laura grow 600 plants with about 250 different varieties. He is the vice president of the American Dahlia Society and both are members of the National Show Organizing Committee. He finds it difficult to identify his favorite Dahlia, but he says he prefers the smaller variety. Scott's Snow Camp, a white miniature cactus, has been a recent favorite and a very good performer. This variety was hybridized by one of our local members and is one of our flowers of the year, he said. He and his wife have grown dahlias for over 40 years, he said, noting that the flowers are relatively easy to grow, but growing them well requires learning from people with more experience. He added that the Pacific Northwest is blessed with more growers than many parts of the United States because the climate here is generally more conducive to growing spectacular blooms. Work is almost done on the Canby High School's new 50,000 square foot science and general education wing and therefore it's nearly time for the big reveal. Canby School District invites the community to a ribbon cutting ceremony at 5pm August 30th near the high school stadium where the new wing is located. Tours of the facility will be available following the short ceremony. The wing was made possible thanks to voters passing the 2020 school bond and its largest bond project. On behalf of the Campy School District, I want to thank our community for your support in passing the 2020 bond, Superintendent Dr. Aaron Downs said. We look forward to sharing this space with students and with the community. The wing boasts state-of-the-art science classrooms as well as general education classrooms, shared classroom spaces, and a large commons area as well as more. Outside is a new courtyard with seating, turf, and a view of the stadium field. Cougar Country Hometown Sports Coverage is brought to you by Rife and Hunsaker PC. When you need an attorney, turn to the firm Canby is trusted for over 50 years. Call them today at 503-266-3456. For the latest sports news, follow us on Twitter at Cougar Country or an Instagram at Cougar Country Pod. A local 14-year-old is a national track and field champion after a surprising upset victory 
in the 1,500 meter race at the USATF National Junior Olympic Track and Field Championships held at Hayward Field earlier this summer. McCullen Callie Cutsforth, a homeschool student in the North Marion School District who is relatively new to running, says she did not go to the championships expecting to win, but that's exactly what she did. I definitely would not say I was confident, she said with a laugh, but I ran a tactical race. It was a little slower than I thought we would go out. It was out in front, which is not normally how I run, but I settled in. During the last lap, I had a nice kick and was able to hold on to the lead just long enough. She's not kidding. Second place finisher Chloe LaDuke, a fellow incoming freshman from the Oakland Cubs running club, clocked a time of 4 minutes 52 seconds point 59, only two hundredths of a second behind Callie's winning time, 4.52.57. Knowing her friends, family, and coaches were in the stands cheering her on, helped give her confidence, she said, and a heartfelt moment of prayer just before the July 30th finals race also helped calm her nerves. Still, the result was so close that Callie did not realize immediately that she had won. She had a really good kick, so I wasn't sure, Callie recalls. I didn't think I could do it, so it was super cool. A member of the Tualatin-based Inner Circle Track Club, Callie is a lifelong soccer player who first started running in the spring of 2022. I really love it, she says of her new sport. It's great being around with the other runners, and it's just a lot of fun. Of course, winning a national championship at the iconic Hayward Field certainly doesn't hurt. That was really cool, and a little intimidating, she admitted. It was pretty cool to think that this was where the professionals and all the top athletes from around the world compete. Looking forward, Callie plans to tackle her freshman year at the North Marion High School and learn how to juggle competing both soccer and cross country. Hey, Tyler, what you doing? My dang Wi-Fi keeps going out, and uh, I'm just trying to move this router somewhere else, get a better signal. It's been years since I set this thing up, and now I forgot how to do it. Oh, years, huh? How many years are we talking? I don't know, like seven or eight, maybe? Well, no wonder your Wi-Fi stinks. You've got a router that's older than my fourth grader stuff behind a bunch of stuff at the back of your entertainment center. But this is state-of-the-art router systems, bro. It might have been when you bought it, but Wi-Fi technology has progressed a lot since then. Think about it, would you expect an eight-year-old smartphone to be able to do the things that a modern one can? I don't know, my iPhone 4 seems to do okay. So are you saying to go out and buy a new system? That's gonna cost me a fortune. Not necessarily. You have Direct Link, right? Didn't you hear that they're upgrading their network? All members on Fiber can get a brand new router installed by their techs for free. What? Seriously? Are you sure that's not some sort of scam? Nope. It's just their commitment to their members as a local cooperative. Everyone that hasn't already been upgraded this year gets a new Wi-Fi router and access to the new network management mobile app called Omni IQ. 
You can use it to customize your network settings, use the parental controls to set time limits and content restrictions for kids, create a separate network for guests, and more. <laughs> I better get going on that then. So uh, how do I get started with the process? Just call the member services team at 503-266-8111 and tell them you'd like to upgrade to Omni. They'll get you scheduled for an appointment, and one of their expert technicians will come out to install the new router at no cost to you. Okay, I have three. Two, six, six, eight, one, one, one. Uh, hey, uh, hello, directly? I'm, I'm ready to upgrade to Omni. All right, now. <laughs> wow, that iPhone 4 does work. On April the 10th, I turned 95, and tomorrow will be the 10th. You keep track of the months, even yes. still at, after months. 95 years? Well, <laughs> well, when you're 95, you're supposed to be dead. <laughs> so you guys just celebrated 75 years yes. yesterday? Yesterday. Yes, okay. We got married on August the 8th, 1948. Wow, wow. And so where did you get married? Okay. <laughs> how did this? How did you meet? How did this all start? I when I she was in Brownsville, her, her with her parents, mm -hmm. and uh, my father. I was born in Central California, and I went through school in Pescadero, California. Mm -hmm. It's about fifty miles below San Francisco, mm -hmm. and then when he bought the farm. Here in Brownsville, he bought eighty acre farm in nineteen thirty four, and he leased it out and told. And he worked for the highway department. Mm -hmm. And in nineteen forty two, about two or three days into September, when we moved to Oregon mm -hmm. and moved onto the farm, and uh, so then. I was a Brownsville boy, of course, and I went in the Navy when mm -hmm. I was 17, uh, 17 and a few and months. And you, you went in not knowing that the war was about to end, right? Well, the war was, it was had already been okay. declared over. Gotcha. Okay. I was just 17. Yeah. You know, and I was in from, for a two-year hitch. Joined as soon hitch. as you could, yeah. I joined a two-year <laughs> hitch, and I got out on October the... 12th or 13th. I, yeah. could, I could give you the exact date if I went and got my discharge papers. Yeah. But then... It's close enough. I, but I got out on the 12th or the 13th and I came home and I didn't have a car. So I had my mother take me from Brownsville, which is in Lynn County, mm -hmm. over to Albany and I bought a 36 Chevy car. Mm -hmm. Paid $550. I saw the for picture, it. yeah. You were always a big car guy, weren't you, and, Gene? And then I met her about two weeks later. So how did you guys meet? Well, she was going to high school, and I was there. Brownsville's a little small town. <laughs> right. And, and I met her. <laughs> yeah. And then we were just been sweeties until that was in October. Of, she was 16. She turned 16 July the 14th. Yeah. And I met her. On October about the 25th. He still remembers all these dates for her. I know. I know. I don't <laughs> so you were telling me about the town you grew up in, and, and small town, everybody knows everybody. Oh, well, yeah. Monmouth then yeah. was nothing. Right. I mean, you couldn't buy beer, you couldn't, <laughs> nothing. Yeah. And the college. Monmouth was teacher college. And yeah. the college yeah. right. was, 
um, real small. Yeah. And uh, so everybody knew everybody. You, you said your graduating class was like six people or something. But there was only 97 in the high school. Yeah. The yeah. whole high school. Yeah. So um, <laughs> it was quite an experience yeah. because I moved over to a town where it was a logging town mm. and they were <laughs> half the time people the guys were drunk yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Well, let me tell the story all right Jean, Jean, Brownsville was say. one of the oldest little towns in right right Brownsville if you yeah. research Brownsville yeah and it wasn't really a logging town. They had a lot of jippo, little jippo loggers there. Mm-hmm. And her father and mother got into a, a logging business there. Mm-hmm. They, they were taking, they had, a, it was getting logs out to the mills. Yeah. In other words, and uh, so they moved to Brownsville and set up, and so she moved to Brownsville mm-hmm. in 19, what was it, 1946, 47, 47. And so she just got established there, and she was going to high school in in October. Yeah. And I met her, mm-hmm. and you know, and so then I bought, I had to get me a car, and I bought this 36-year-old <laughs> coupe for $550 in fact, there's a picture right around the corner yeah. of us and the car. It's yeah. right here. Yeah. Huh? It's right here. Yeah. No. Oh, that one. Yeah. Oh, there it is, yeah. There it is, yeah. That's the old 36-year-old car. Yeah. And, uh... I had to have a car, and that's what I quartered her in. It was a coupe, a, a little coupe. All right, so be honest. Was it him or the car? What, what initially stood out to you? <laughs> and, uh, well, tell you the know, truth. It's at this period of time, my folks didn't have a car. Okay. So it they was had, the car. They had a pickup. Right. But you've got to remember, this was back there. Yeah. And you couldn't get a car. Yeah. And so... <laughs> Any kind of a car was pleasant. Impressive. Yes. Yeah. Of course, she lived in Brownsville. It's just a little small place. Yeah. Old, old time. Brownsville has a long history. Yeah. And, uh, but it was a small town. And yeah. Her folks were, her, her dad and her uncle kind of formed what they called the Britt Nelson Logging Company. Mm-hmm. And they were... Uh, they had uh, yarders, and, and they were um, contracting to get logs out for meals. You yeah. know, small jippo loggers, they yeah. called them. So and, you ended up joining the business? Pardon? No. You, no. No. And, he worked uh, in the mill. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's, how I, that's how I met her in Brownsville. She got to Brownsville from Monmouth mm-hmm. because her dad used to work in Monmouth. He was a mechanic that worked for some... He, it was Ford Motors. Yeah, well... And he, they had a service station in the front, and he had a shop in the back. Hmm. <clears throat> uh, was that the, when he worked over in Monmouth, they didn't have a Ford garage there. He worked for another guy. Yeah. They did have a Ford garage. They did have. They sold Fords, mm. and but you had to order them. Mm. Yeah. And, then, and Charlie Graham 
Yeah, yeah, well, he worked for him, and then he decided to break off with his brother-in-law <laughs> and form a little Jeppo logging company. And what it amounted to, they needed a yard or yard logs in, and they had a cat to build roads up, you know, yeah. on contract logging yeah. for outfits, and they were... And uh, they they would get the you you would get logs up to the, yard them in with a with a, a yarder and then load them on the log trucks after they built roads to get in. Yeah, you know, and that was so. Yeah, was, the dog wants was to be on the interview. <laughs> that was a long time ago. That yeah, was uh, in 1947. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we were just kids. I mean, I was 19 and she was 17. Yeah, you guys we got were... married when she was, no, she was 16. Right, when you met. And when we met, and then we got married, she was 25 days past 17. <laughs> and I was about four, let's say I lacked two days to be in four months past 20. Yeah. And now I'm, hey, uh, I'm uh, tomorrow I will be four months See, I lacked two days. When we got married, I lacked two days of being four months past 20. Right. Tomorrow, I will be four months past seven, 95. 95, right. right. Yeah. You guys were so young when you got married. We were very young. Yeah. We when- got married on uh, August the 8th, and then his mother was born the next July the 4th. Right. <laughs> we, were, we were married, uh, see, we got married on August the 8th, September the 8th. October the 4th. Yeah, you know, pretty, pretty Octo- quick. <laughs> October 4th was nine months before her, right? Before she was born. So yeah. we were le- a little less than two months before we had a family started. Yeah, yeah. We started playing house. Yeah, know? yeah. How did you get me into? <laughs> were you, were you, I mean, it, it was more common back then to get married young, but was that always your your plan? Uh, no. no. It just it happened. <laughs> it wasn't your plan for an assembly. We never, we never went to college or anything. Right. We didn't right. get education. Right. And I, I put about, uh, I was working, when we got married, I was working for Brownsville Timber. Okay. It was a, a lumber company. Yeah. And uh, I worked in the mill there. And then I worked there until about uh, September, about September of 49. The baby was just real young and they shut the mill down Yeah. or I lost my job there. So I set up a deal and I went to farming with my dad on the farm and mm-hmm. we did some ryegrass farming and some cropping and uh, it was a leasing type thing we'd lease land and give the give the owners a third of the crop yeah for rent yeah and we did that for three years until september of uh, 1952 and then i went to work for willamette industries it was willamette national lumber company mm-hmm. at that time it was a big mill out at foster yeah and i went to work for them on september the 11th mm-hmm. september the 11th of 1952 mm-hmm. and uh it was one week before our second child was born mm-hmm. he was born on september 18th 1952 wow and uh, 
And I worked there until I got in an industrial accident in 1990 and kind of got my legs and things kind of burned up. So that was the story that you were going to tell me. Was that the accident? Yes. A a burning hog fuel fire, hog fuel that fed fed boilers. Because I worked worked in the mill for about from 50. Some September to '52 until about May of '59, yeah. and then I went to work in the power plant, the steam power plant, where they had boilers and generators to yeah. make to make electricity, and uh, and I stayed there from around May of '59 until I got got burned on September or no December 28th of uh, of uh, 1990. Yeah, were you the only one that was involved in that, or? Yeah, I was out putting out some. They were they had fire in a huge uh, um, fuel pile. You know, it's, yeah. it's it's a. I'm so getting confused. It was a hog fuel. Yeah, you know, it's waste from the fuel, and that 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 got went through big. Hog feels like wood chips and, and yeah. wood, just wood chips bits and, and junk. Yeah, that feeds the boiler. There was a combustion. Yeah, but, but but it got combustion. It it got fire. It, it um, spontaneous combustion. It got down in the conveyor system. Okay, it got out of the and uh, they the had boiler. a big cat in digging it out because this is a huge pile. Right. That rota- rotated fuels into the mill, yeah. into the powerhouse yeah. in order to feed the boilers. Yeah, and uh, they had fire in there, and they were digging it out with a big cat. And when they got down near the, it was a huge, big, huge pile, and this cat was digging it out to get down to the where the fires were in the conveyor system. Mm-hmm. And I was put, and when he'd backed off, and I was spraying it with, had a big, a, a big um, fire fire hose that you could turn it off, you know, and yeah. on. And I was spraying it, and the boss came along, he said, you better get back. And what it was, was like this, this fuel pile, and it was digged down like this. And of course, the cat had a big white swath in there, and of course, there was a pile edged over here that, and that was higher than my head. Mm. And it went, and it, the, the foreman says, you better get back, it looks like it's gonna cave in. And so I shut it off and I backed over and I got up against this fuel pile. Yeah. You, and I just got there and it caved in on me and if I hadn't moved over mm. within two or three seconds it would have knocked yeah. me down and buried me. You, you were in dead thirty two years now. Yeah. You were in a cat or you were No No, no, no. the cat the other guy was digging out with a yeah. cat. And when he would back off I would get in there. I, I was Hose spraying I was gotcha. hosing down the fire. Yeah. And I and I was over hosing down the fire, and the foreman hollered. He said, "It looks pretty shaky." Yeah, got it. So it wasn't all just 
it wasn't all just burning fuel that got me, but there was portions of it was burning. Yeah. And it, uh, you know, got, got me. Yeah, I see that. You can see. They yeah, had to do skin, skin grafts and things yeah. and on my body. So. But what happens, I mean, I, I, I don't dwell on it. Sure. But I think now, that when we're talking about it now, I know that, see, I was out probably six or eight feet or, or, or farther from from this wedged up. You see, whenever you would dig it out down here to, to the conveyor, then the cat didn't dig it all out and there was a little wedge over here yeah. higher in my head. Yeah. That he, and uh, so I was away from that and I was there. Uh, I was spraying it down and the foreman says, boy, it looks like you better be back. He was standing back out, right. away from it. You can see the big picture. And so I, I stepped back over. I had this hose around me. I had the hose. Mm-hmm. And I stepped over against against this wall. And just as I got there, here it come crashing down. And it, 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 it come clear up to my chest because wow. it burnt me up here. Yeah. But if I, had, if I hadn't got over against that wall where I could go down, yeah. it would have buried me. And before they ever got me out, I'd have been dead because yeah. they, they, um, uh, the foreman got up and he burned his legs a little bit working on it. And they got a pickaroon and they had to, in the, it was up to here, the fuel, and they had to dig clear down to my ankles before they could ever get me out. Yeah. Because that hog fuel, you can't get out of it. Yeah. You know, you're not going to step up out of it. You know, yeah. Pack down around you. And what I did, I had this hose around behind me. I'd shut it off and got over, and I turned it on. I said, oh, it's burning. It's burning me. And I was, I turned the water on myself, and I suppose that helped yourself. cook it. Yeah. Because the fuel, it wasn't just all burning fuel. Yeah. But there was hot fuel in there that was burning. Some of it was burning. Yeah. It kind of it come back up from whenever it caved down. Way it yeah brought that hot fuel on. Yeah. <laughs> and I, but I do, I do know that I would have been dead over thirty. I would have been dead thirty-two years ago in November the twenty-eighth. No, December twenty-eighth. Will be thirty-three years, mm. and I'd have been dead 30, 32 years. And then his son is home. Months now, if I had <laughs> moved. He, he was he was at the burn center up yeah. in Portland. They life flighted him up there. Mm. They sent him home, and he was only in the hospital a few days. Yeah, and they sent him home, and his legs started swelling. Mm-hmm. Oh my gracious! And they took him back to the hospital. Well, I took him back up to Portland because they couldn't get a medical van. It's it's not a story to to, to be exploited or anything. (laughs) No. Yeah. But his legs started swelling, and you thought they were going to pop. And we took him back, and they kept him up there for two weeks. Just this one. The doctor said that it was... The, doc, the, the the burn surgeon said that it was worse than he thought it was when yeah. he sent me home. Yeah. And it was burnt into the burnt into the muscle. You it know, must have so been painful. They, yeah, well, and then they have to, oh, it was so painful, I couldn't hardly get out of bed to get back up there. And they, uh, they had to, you know, what they do is they trim this old dead meat out and then, and then put the... Uh, 
healthy. They, they put... Um, grafted. Huh? Grafted. Yeah, graft, yeah. Yeah. This graft. What they did is they... Well, this one, you can see where they had the graft there. Yeah. See there? They, they, they take like about... They don't go deep enough to get to the, to the roots, but also where they over here now I don't have any skin because that that's just it looks like kind of like chicken skin, doesn't it? Yeah. And that's the grafted where they take real thin grafts. Yeah. Off they took some off of my stomach too. Yeah. And then they graft. Cut, cut the dead meat out yeah. and graft it on. What do you remember of that time, Ferna? And what, what were you thinking? <laughs> oh, I, had scared? Supper. I had supper already and I had Judy's two kids. Yeah. And your their, firstborn. Their dad, your was, their dad was supposed to come over and get them. Mm-hmm. He's the dentist in Ben. And <clears throat> I had those two kids so I had to take them with me. Yeah. I couldn't do anything. And so they called and said that he was, his legs were red and they needed to take him to the hospital. So I never thought anything about it. And then my son called me and says, Mom, they're going to life flight him out right away. Yeah. So I just jumped in the car and, and went over to the hospital and we got there before they took him out. He's, well, what happened is... They got the ambulance out to the mill, and then it, it's at Foster, and that's about five miles from Sweet Home. Yeah. And if, I don't know if you know the areas over there. I do. Do you? Yeah. Anyway, they had the ambulance there, and after they got me dug out, and man, I I was uh, hurting, and, and so they took me, a, a guy under each arm, and put me in the ambulance, took, up, took my clothes all off, mm. and... Uh, and I remember when I got to the hospital, I was just shaking. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I suppose it's... Uh, but, you know, that's fine. But when I I got back to Sweet Home, I had those little kids. Yeah. And their father couldn't find me. He mm-hmm. called our house. He couldn't get... He didn't know anything. And so he called us. The police, he went to the police, and and they said they didn't know anything. And so he he waited, and finally I got home, and he got the kids. But well, the, he, the story is this dentist and my daughter had been married for 10 years, and they were divorced. They had the two little kids. They got married. They were married about 10 years, and the two little kids were about two and four when mm-hmm. they got a divorce. And uh, he was going to come over and get the kids, you know, some uh, visitation rights and things. And of course, this came up, and so that she couldn't. She she was messing with me, so she wasn't messing with, wasn't being involved with him. And he he was all uptight. But uh, the story is, when I got to the hospital. I was just shaking, and uh, and they they wouldn't give me anything, any any uh, morphine until they would take an X-ray. Well, yeah, I knew I didn't have uh, smoke, smoke inhalation. I yeah. didn't have smoke inhalation. Yeah, but uh, they took an X-ray, and then they gave me a shot of morphine. 
And they said that uh, we'll give you another when the helicopter life flight gets here. Yeah. That's at Lebanon. See, they, they went from Sweet Home to Lebanon to the hospital. Yeah. And then, and then well, whenever they gave me one on that light, they gave me another shot of morphine. And man, I was in La La Land. Right. No, no pain at all. all yeah. The, all the way when up the, to the hospital. When the ambulance was there, or the, the, life the flight. helicopter came yeah. in, they put him on a gurney. They didn't fasten it down. And it was just sitting on top of this, and it hit a bump in the sidewalk, and they caught it before it hit the ground. <laughs> and they said he would have lost all of his skin then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gracious. Well, be a little more careful, yeah. Um, wow, what a story. What a story. Yeah. It's, uh... Tyler, did you know that the Australian lyrebird can mimic any sound that it hears, even chainsaws? No, that's uh, super interesting. Did you know that a baby puffin is called a puffling? Uh, Or that baby sea otters can't swim, so their moms wrap them up in pieces of kelp until they learn how to paddle? Wait, do you know any trivia that isn't, like, animal-related? Not really, but here's some stuff you may not know about the Wild Hair Saloon, where Camby goes to eat and have fun. Okay. The Wild Hair is one of Camby's longest-running, locally-owned restaurants. Owners Joan and Darren Moden have been in business for 16 years. That's cool. Yeah, heck, you were just a baby back then. I, and, wait, what? And they love to give back. They've been members of the Camby Chamber for that long, and they donate over $20,000 to local sports, FFA programs, and civic organizations each year. Wow, I'm legitimately like caught off. That's cool. Yeah. They also support more than 30 jobs in the community through their award-winning staff, some of them as young as 18. Hey, that's older than you are. Uh, dude, I'm te- I'm 10 months younger than you. With, with the days getting longer and the weather getting warmer, the Canby Wild Hair's expansive outdoor patio is the place to be. Furry friends, welcome. Well, that sounds great. I'm going to go check them out just off of Highway 99E next to the Space Age in Canby at 1656 Beaver Creek Road in Oregon City or on their website at thewildhairsaloon.net. Well, I'm glad you pulled through. Yeah, well. <laughs> glad know, you took I, those I steps st- back. I still think about how it lucky I was. It was just I a was. few days before he was to retire. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. I was going to retire in just a few days. days. Yeah. First of That's year. called a sign. <laughs> yeah. That was on the 28th of December of 1990. Yeah. And I was going to retire on January the 1st. Uh, <laughs> take an early retirement. Yeah. I was... Uh, uh, 90, I was uh, 62 in, in April, and so I was about eight months, Yeah, almost nine months past 62. Yeah. It's going to take early retirement. Well, there you go. But uh, I, I, I still keep, when you think about it, if I, if I hadn't mm. got over there about six more feet up against this yeah. little wall, Yeah. When that slammed into me, it would have just completely covered me. Yeah. And they'd be, I'd, I'd have been dead before they could even think about digging me out. Yeah. That's how close things can be. Yeah. So was that when you um, guys moved to Canby after you retired? or? 
No, no, we had we had some acreage there. We we, we had a home on the river with mm -hmm. two and a quarter acres, and we just stayed there until 1999. His dad took the job. He was the principal at Sweet Home. Mm. Bill Westfall. Yeah. And he took the job as principal here in 98 okay. for Canby. Okay. So they yeah, moved here. And I was getting older and you know we'd had that we'd had that acreage there. We yeah. bought that acreage in 93 and I I sold off about I bought 11 acres. I sold off about I think it was about 10 of it and 8 of it. We we, we kept two and a quarter acres right on the river. Yeah. And uh we just decided I the kids, uh, you know, the, Amy and uh, and um, Cody was well. He was, he was born in '93, so he was about six years old. And we didn't want to get around our kids, you know. Mm -hmm. Our kids yeah. had moved away, so we just sold out the place and moved here. Moved here in August, uh, about August 28th, I think it was, okay. 1999. We've been here. Well, in about, this is the ninth, in about eight, another, what, another Don't 18 days. <laughs> He's the one that knows all the dates, right, well, Vernon? <laughs> well, this is the ninth. Yeah. And I think we moved here on the 27th or the 28th of August of 1999. Yeah. So we just have a few days and we'll be here 24, 24 years. Yeah, yeah. This is 24 years and we spent, we, in 1952, we bought 20 acres mm -hmm. with a house, a big older house and a barn yeah. for $5,500. Wow. You know, thinking about the prices today, oh, what yeah. can you get for $5,500 today? An old know. used car? I don't maybe? know if I could get a Chevy Coupe for that much anymore. <laughs> no. But anyway, 52. Yeah. Uh, uh, after I quit farming, went to work at Willamette Industries, yeah. which turned into, it was Willamette National Lumber Company. They turned into Willamette Industries, and then that turned into Weyerhaeuser. Weyerhaeuser right. took them over. And since then, I think that mill at Foster has been sold by Weyerhaeuser. Okay. Um, now, I have a son. My son will be 72 in, in nine days. My, my oldest son... And he he went to work. He worked there forty three years mm. for that outfit. It was Warehouser when he finally retired. Yeah, but it was uh, Willamette Industries when he went to work there. He went to work there in uh, when he was uh, eighteen years old, and uh, and he worked there until he was about forty one, forty three years. Yeah, yeah, wow. and uh, he, he still lives in Sweet Home. Uh, Dad, we're not writing a book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'll be later. Well, well, we, we bought, we bought, we bought. I mean, I was just going to quote it. We bought twenty acres for fifty five hundred dollars. Yeah, in fifty two. It's amazing. And we sold it in sixty uh, three. Yeah, and we bought the acreage up at Holly on the river, at Holly. And uh, we bought that in 63, and we lived there 36 years and, until 99, and now we've been 24 years. In, in just a few days, it'll be 24 years here, and so that's, that's kind of the history of our life. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I have to ask you about the milestone you just had with your marriage. Pardon? Yeah, the milestone, 75 years. 
of marriage. Um, because I, I know Cody kind of reached out to me when you as a family all kind of realized how rare it is to, to reach that milestone, something like um, a thousand or a fewer couples in the whole country maybe hit that mark. There's um, not many, there's not many, you know, because if you got married when thing. you was 15 years right. of age, you'd have to be 90 before you'd be married 75 years. Yeah, yeah. Because she was 17. And I was 20, and now I'm 95, and she's 92. Yeah. Uh, but probably it's very darn few that either one of them hasn't passed away or they got divorced. Right. Cody, uh, none of my grandkids will ever do that. <laughs> I mean, they're lucky if they make it 40 years. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, a, there's not many people that's 95 years of age. Right. Men. Yeah. If you go to a nursing home, you'll see about 10, ten old women, so maybe one old man. Well, and you that's guys are nice. you're living independently. I mean, that's remarkable as well. Yeah, we yeah. should be. In, we should be in, uh, with, <laughs> with some assisted care. Yeah. We should be, but she, she, she fights that. She wants to stay in her own home, mm. so yeah. we're making it. You know, she's yeah. a... Uh, me, I can't even go with crutches anymore because mm. I hurt my back and, and I've got a drop foot from hurting my, from messing my back and I, I have to push a walker or I fall down. Yeah. And uh, so she can make it without me, but I can't make it without <laughs> her. Yeah. Something happens to her. Yeah. I, I ran into a nursing, nursing care or, you know, assisted yeah. living. As, as quick as I can. Well, Cody will there. come and take care of you. Well, there you go. <laughs> and you could. Well, he's kind of handy. I mean, if I need something, I can call him. Yeah, yeah. Well, and our thing. lawn guy. My well, father. <laughs> my I'm. Um, my father died when he was 94 years, <laughs> three months and 21 days. <laughs> Last July, a year ago. July 31st, I turned the same age as my father. Now, I've outlived him now. July 31st, I live, outlived him one year. Yeah. And now it's nine more days. So I've outlived. I've not, not outlived. I've lived one year and nine months, one year and nine days longer than my father. Yeah. And he was the longest man. Yeah. And I, in research, gener- my, my daughter researched back generations. Yeah. And uh, he lived, uh, I think he had a brother, he had three brothers, and one of them lived to be about 88, and one about 83. Mm-hmm. And my mother had three brothers, and they were all gone in their 70s, late 70s. Yeah. One, one, one lived to be only 61 and a half. He got cancer. Her, her oldest brother and the other two lived to be about late 70s. Yeah. And then my grand, one grandfather lived to be 71 and a half, and the other lived to be 83. And my father was the longest living at 93. He, he, was, he was 94 years and three months and 21 days. Yeah. And I, I turned 90, 94 years, three months and 21 days, July 31st last year. Yeah. 
Since July 31st, which was nine days ago, I was a year older than he was when he passed away. Mm -hmm. And now I'm a year and nine days. Yeah. And I I know that one of the, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm got one foot in the, one foot in the <laughs> graveyard and the other one a banana peeling. You know, I might be around another year or two, but I might be dead next week. His cardiologist said he'll probably make it to a hundred. No, no. He said we're shooting for a hundred. I went, I went to my, my doctor here in town probably about, I think it was, maybe it was in, was it later, later part of June or something? I don't know. Oh, this day Dr. Cesar, Dr. Cesar. And when I went to him, he says, well, we're going to shoot for 100. Yeah. <laughs> that was a cardiologist, Dad. Huh? That no, Dr. Cesar said, <laughs> he said, Dr. Cesar, maybe the cardiologist did do, but Dr. Cesar said, well, we're going to shoot for 100. So what do you, do you think it's the genes? What, what's the well, secret? my mother lived to be 98. There you go. My mother lived to be 98 years, two months, and 16 days. Mm-hmm. She was born on June the 1st, mm-hmm. 19, 1909, and she died on August the 17th, 2007. Oh, and that was, she was 98, she, she turned 98 June the 1st and died on June, June the 17th. She was two months and 17, 16 days past. Yeah. Uh, I just remember these kind of things, you know. Yeah, that shows you, you that my I, I'm not still I got it. I haven't got complete dementia yet. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it's still drive. Still drive. <laughs> well, I can, can't walk, but you can drive, Gene. I got a driver's license. It's still until the sixteenth, until oh, the tenth of next April. Okay. The tenth of next April. All right, my, you've been warned, Candy. My ninety-sixth birthday. That, that that's when my driver's license is uh, set to expire. Uh, I can. I have a drop foot here, but I can put my foot down on the throttle, uh-huh. and I can work it, and I can use my brake with this other foot. Right. And so I get more. It works. You know, but I don't do a lot of driving. I used to, but. Uh, about once a week, we tootle over to Fred Meyer's or Safeway and go to a little grocery shop. And that's it. it. Otherwise, if I have to get out of town, one of my kids takes me. Yeah. And so my driving is very, very careful. You know, when I get over here to, like over here where they got a, a, a through street and mm-hmm. driving out here, I look about three times before I'll go either way. Yeah. You Good know, thinking. Make sure that there's nothing coming. <laughs> yeah. What do you think, Berna? What are some of the secrets to uh, you guys' longevity here? Well, there's some... <laughs> well, I don't know what this long... Her, now this... I, I, my, my folks didn't live as long as his folks, mm-hmm. but... Her you know, dad, see, her... <laughs> the, the father that went to Brownsville... Was a stepfather. It's mm-hmm. her mother's second husband. Yeah. But her her father died in that fifty four. Mm. So that's not good. Yeah. And then her mother, her mother lived to be ninety four years. Uh, her mother lived three days less than ninety four years and seven months. Well, so what? <laughs> but uh, she lived. If you're going to um, if you're going to think about. Genetics. Yeah. 
her father had a heart attack or something and mm -hmm. died at 54. Yeah. Her, her biological father. Yeah. And uh, so. Would have been pretty now, lucky. She, she's I mean, got, to, when you have a family like ours, mm -hmm. um, we still got everybody. We don't have. All yeah. of our kids are still around. Mm -hmm. Well, my daughter. And we haven't lost any grandkids. My daughter Judy, her, her his his mother, mm -hmm. said that how lucky she feels that she's seventy four. She was seventy four the Fourth of July. Mm -hmm. To still have her parents at seventy four. Yeah, that's pretty unique. It is. Not many people. Not many people at seventy four still have no. both their parents alive. No, absolutely. Well, what about um, longevity of your marriage? What What do you think has helped keep you guys together all these years? Well, we're both, besides just still being alive. We're both independent. Yeah, and you know, let's let's let's, let's, let's talk for a second. <laughs> You'll have your I, chance, Jean. I um, I think the fact that we keep going, and that's what the doctor told me, is you keep going. I love to garden. Mm. I love to cook. Yeah. Mm. And every Sunday, the kids come home for dinner. Mm. Still. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Our little one that's a lawyer, uh, he lives in Lake Oswego, and he comes the first... Every month. First the first Sunday. Sunday of each month, he mm. cooks dinner. Mm. A, a grandkid? <laughs> a grandson? Yes. 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 And so, we're pretty fortunate, mm -hmm. because... The kids are always around the hill. Yeah, we were they're pretty fairly private people, you know, mm. and uh, uh, we, did, we we were, neither one of us had got educations, mm -hmm. and it was uh, I think maybe it was more common to just make it through the years, you know. Yeah, but you had. Divorce wasn't as as no. common or oh, as accepted. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, she always, she was a good mother and raised our three kids. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I did. I, I put a lot of hours in working to, to make uh, you know to keep keep the cash flow coming. Yeah. And we got lucky enough. We bought some properties. The properties of. We, we, we made money on all of our properties. We didn't spend a lot of money on, on a lot of high interest. Yeah. You know what I mean? High interest buying properties and our properties went up and we didn't, like a lot of people, rent all their lives and what do you got? A rent receipt. Yeah. And I, I got a little lucky in my life and, I, and we were always conservative. We were always conservative. We didn't uh, do a lot of... Uh, um, you know, high living, high living is so. Now it's now it's it's built that we've got good. Um, we're 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 not hurting for money, you know. Yeah. I worked and ended up with uh, from when I'm in industries, I ended up with some re real good pension deals. I got yeah. an annuity for life. I got. I yes. built up 401k with them, and I built up IRAs, and and uh, and if you're careful in life, you can you can do a lot better than people that just shoot from 
shoot now and look, aim later. Yeah, yeah. We've uh, we've been frugal people. Yeah, and now you we know. don't have to go. I don't have to go to the banker and talk. If I need some money, I don't have to go to the banker and yeah. talk to you. <laughs> Beg the Banker's bank. coming talking to you. I sound yeah. like uh, we've always from the first year we were married have had a big garden. Mm. Um, when we had an apartment, the guy that owned the apartment we were in <laughs> was a contractor, and he he. <laughs> lit a bonfire with uh, to burn some old rugs and stuff and the chemicals from it killed my whole garden mm. and then they <laughs> that was horrible yeah was, he felt so bad yeah <laughs> but we've always had a big well garden. when we were young for the first part of our life we got married in 48 and then baby come along in 49 and I lost I lost the job at the mill and so I went to work in my, with my father farming for three years and that didn't work out real good and then I went I left there in 50 that was in, in about September 49 about so September of, of uh, 52 I, I went up and got a, got a job at Willamette Industries and then we bought our own place. Uh, before that, we were just renting, but we were only 20. I was only 24, and she was only 21 years old. Yeah. When we bought our first, like I say, $5,500 for 20 acres. Yeah. That's pretty cheap. Pretty good deal. Yeah. You, you know, com- compared to uh, thinking about the oh. prices of this day and age. 20 acres? Yeah. It'd be. <laughs> Seven figures, yeah. It would be several hundred thousand now. Yeah, easily. Hey, I'm AJ. I'm your uh, local Oddmos franchise owner. I'm Mike, co-founder of Oddmos. And we're the hosts of The Odd Pod, a podcast about life in the pizza industry. We're going to have on some franchisees. We're going to have some different vendors on. We're going to get a snapshot of what goes on behind the scenes in the, the pizza world. Don't forget to tell them about the sports. They're sports. And the crazy wacky pizza that we have every Wednesday that we create. And we also have a special guest every week as well. And I'm Gage, Odd Pod Senior Sports Analyst. Gage, who gave you that title? Me. Oh, boy. Find us on Spotify and Apple Music and the Podbean. Now Hear This Can Be is produced by me, Tyler Clausen. Our content director and star reporter is Tyler Frankie. And of course, our show is edited by Cameron Clausen. We also feature the vocal talents of Joy Struby and James Walden. So a round of applause to them. The song that you're hearing right now is Can Be by singer-songwriter Olivia Harms, used with her permission. To find more work from her, you can visit her website, olivia13.com. Now Hear This Can Be is dedicated to preserving independent local journalism and redefining local news with our fun, fresh, and energetic brand of storytelling. Our sincere thanks to our local sponsors who make this show possible. Please show your appreciation by supporting the small businesses who support us. The production of Now Hear This Studios, Canby's locally owned full-service audio, video, and media production company. Our mission is to produce the best content in the universe. And we'd love to help you do it. 
Find us online at nhtstudios.com. Um, I will take a motion to adjourn. I just moved it. I didn't even ask for it, though.